This is Real Kipper and Board on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. On Monday, June 12th. Hope everybody had a great weekend. We know we had one pretty good. Yeah, just pretty good. As we're turning this into a golf show for the next hour. How can you not? <laughs> Holy smokes. Nick Kiprios, Justin Bourne, Derek Brandeo, General Nick, and sometimes Real Kipper and Bourne, and sometimes the golf show on Saturday. I don't, even know, I don't even know the name of your show. <laughs> you nailed it. It's the golf show. Oh, is it? Yeah, it's pretty simple. <laughs> Isn't the golf guys? Well, no, we are the golf guys. You're the golf guys on the golf, golf show. Guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So lots of golf talk, yeah. So what is your next Saturday show? You're going to be like grapes where everybody talks about it all week, but they no, still want to wait to hear. We did from... one today. We recorded one today. Oh, did you? Oh, yeah. We had to hop on. I mean, it's not often that a uh, Canadian hits a 72-foot eagle putt to win his national open. doesn't happen that often, so we thought we better get in the studio and do a quick one this morning. Congratulations to Nick Taylor. As Sammy just mentioned, jarred a 72-foot bomb for Eagle to become the first Canadian to win in 69 years. Where were you when it went in? Uh, we were just roaming around and then just racing to get out of there, beat the crowd. <laughs> One step towards the, yeah. the Mercedes. Yes, my thanks to uh, RBC and the Toronto Star, Tour Star, for uh, hosting me yesterday. Wow. Uh, it was uh, it was great. I walked the course a lot. Mm-hmm. I just what did you think of the course? It's really hard to focus. It's like every time you see somebody hit a ball, you're like you're looking around at the next tee box, and it's like, oh, I'm gonna go see. It's like squirrel, yeah, yeah, yeah. squirrel, yeah. And then it's like go watch the next shot. Yeah. So I would say that I would agree with that, but you know, I'm I'm inside the ropes there, fellas, as a accredited media member. Um, I'm a big J journalist. Big shooter. How did that happen? Eh? When did you when did you start I, getting accredited? Uh, this is my second year yeah. being accredited, and I w- made the concerted effort to follow Nick Taylor. I went out on hole one, saw his first tee shot to the last 72 foot putt that he made, all from a pretty close range. It was pretty special, boys. I uh, lots of people love our show. I can't thank the people enough that stopped me and said they love the show. You know, they're yelling Sammy at me. It's cool, man. And I, I really awesome. like I really do appreciate that yeah. stuff. I know Kipper got his name chanted at the rank. They're all yelling uh big you know what Nick at Kiprios instead of at Nick Taylor. So <laughs> it was great. It was uh yeah, it, it, you know it's just not friends and family listening to us guys. That's what I got out of yesterday. Yeah. We, we've expanded past the yes. family circle now. Yeah. It was great. Yeah. So that right. was good. Uh what's the longest putt you guys ever hit? You know, I got a funny story, actually. One of those times playing at a bachelor party and one of those, if this goes in, everyone has to shotgun a beer type of things. Yeah. Pro- about that length, I would say. But you know how it is. You put a million golf balls, you get yeah. one of those random ones. Yeah, it, it, Not, not mean, on playoff hole for a championship. Probably a 50-footer. I don't I, know if I've ever been 72. Like, I'm watching this putt, and all I can think of is, like, force Fleetwood to, to make his putt and a, a two putt would be really nice. Cozy it up. Like they actually seven, said two putts feet. is no guarantee, is what he says yeah. on the broadcast. I said that multiple to. times to Gunner. I'm like, this is not an easy. And two it wasn't putt. even like a, an anticipation. It was just like it it's was in, in the middle the whole it's way. It's just in. It's just lip in. Gone. Yeah. So see it. Don't <laughs> see it. It's over. There was a army of people around the green, the inside the ropes, not just the outside the ropes people, but like. 
standing a foot away from me was Justin Rose, uh, Shane Lowry, Hatton, all the Canadian golfers. Everybody was like right there locked into this. And I, umbrellas, all the Oakdale people were there, all the Golf Canada people. I, the umbrellas were just blocking my view. So I actually did not see the putt enter the hole. Oh, yeah. (laughs) But all I could hear was, I was kind of fighting, but you could just hear the crowd, Ah. the anticipation growing, growing, growing. And then the drop, and it wasn't an all-time eruption. I've like I've been at a lot of loud sporting events. That was loud. It was, for me, the first thing I thought of is, like, it's an overtime goal. It is. Matthew Kachuk, go right to your trunk. Put your clubs in and go home. You know, it's it's a (laughs) walk-off home run. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And he he threw the putter like Jose Batista. Oh, gave it the bat flip, a good Canadian. And And it being 72 feet after the 72 Summit Series and the bat flip, it was all too Canadian. And then Adam Hadwin gets tackled (laughs) like he's uh, some poor receiver with Troy Polamalu in his prime. Just gets taken down. You believe that? I, you know, like that security guard, great job by him and all, but like he didn't anticipate some friends well, running up with some champagne. Would Did a you... random hooligan have a bottle of Moet? Listen, you, like, you've, got, <laughs> you've got CBS there. You've got the best golfers in the world there. You assume like uh, how many how many security meetings would they have had prior to the oh tournament and during the period? But none of them ever wanted to say, "Hey, if." On the 18th gro- uh, hole, if if people start coming in, like who's who's there, who's accredited, yeah. who's not, who can I tackle, who I can't, <laughs> it's just all out the window. And eh? They're like you, Van Dam over there. You're the guy who's on high alert. Come on, <laughs> that poor security guard. All he, he, he doesn't did his know. Job. He drilled him. He has no idea. I, I absolutely. It's mayhem. <laughs> the best thing ever, though, because I don't know if you noticed, but more than there was people that broke the line oh, when yeah. he won, and. He did a, like, their security guard, every other security guard did a good job of keeping people away from it. But I guess they thought he was one that slipped through. I saw one guy jump down off the VIP box that you were sitting in, kind of snuck down in, and he was just standing on the green there, <laughs> just standing around, having a good time. He was there the pals. whole time. Yeah. He got away with it. So, like, people took advantage of it. But I will say, last thing I'll say is I'm very thankful for Tommy Fleetwood because there's a lot of guys in that situation where if you don't, like, if you're not the biggest golf follower, you don't really... Like, this is kind of what Tommy Fleetwood does. Like, he was, you know, when he's standing on that tee, the very birdieable 18th hole, which everyone was birdieing. They tore that thing apart all week. You knew that he was incredibly nervous for his first PGA Tour win, and he was the right guy for that playoff. Let's just say Excuse that. Excuse me for... Tommy Fleetwood's never won nope. a PGA Tour event? No, sir. That, that is was, shocking. That, I know. So and he's blown a lot of them, and it's yeah, that like was his he first was, playoff too. Yeah, that was the perfect wow. spot. And you know what? He got lucky to even be in that spot because yeah. he hit one into the GD Grandstand. But do you know how much? Do you know how better of a golfer I would be if I had those stands <laughs> when I played? No, not even an I would, unplayable, I, I, just a free I, drop. Honestly, I, I, I'd lose five strokes off my game. Yeah. Oh yeah. I'd be Shave I'd be them. shooting seventy five. <laughs> if I could bounce one off the, the a wall. and not get penalized. It's literally a wall. It's like, oh yeah, I gotta block it's, one hundred yards right. That's no problem. That was in the parking lot. Yeah. You gotta you gotta suffer a stroke penalty. It's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> it's a great thing. So anyways, I'm really I just was overwhelmed yesterday. It was And he was such a class act too. He is, uh, he acknowledging was. the the moment for yeah. for Nick and the country and and for Weir, for him to shout out Weir in his acceptance speech and be like, Weir, this was supposed to be Weir's moment. 
you know, when he lost to VJ and he lost in the playoff, this was supposed to be his moment, and I'm happy uh, that I'm here to have his. Taylor's crying. I'm Buddy. crying. God. I, I jumped up, like, when he that putt went in, I did not know how I acted. <laughs> Just one more thought for me, being an ex-athlete, uh, watching Nick Taylor come through the final few holes and then to have Fleetwood tie him, his game face locked in, in those four holes, like he never broke. Mm-hmm. It was not a smile, but not like he, you couldn't tell whether he was up five or down five, like the, just the, the mental strength that he, he was not going to be denied. Sammy it was asked a question in the press conference of him because Taylor did a walk and talk. He did an interview for holes thing. from the end of the, the first round or the he, final round. He did it on 15. 15, so he's walking up. and he's, got a, he's tied for the lead at his national open, and he's, like, taking questions from Immelman and... And uh, yeah, and didn't he have to shut up because uh, he was uh, his partner was gonna hit his? Yeah, I, I didn't see it. I still haven't seen yeah. it. I, I saw the interview. Yeah, he's uh, like, oh, oh, oh yeah. somebody's hitting. I better be quiet here. And I ha- like I had to ask him in the presser. I was just genuinely interested. I was like, when did you agree to do that? And he told me that it was yesterday. So and uh, shout out Jim Nance. I didn't get a chance to text him today, but um, <laughs> <laughs> he uh, oh, oh, Marquis. Anyways, his call was amazing glorious and free right in it like yeah. hit it hard you know there's gonna be documentaries on this win it'll be a netflix movie oh, and that's yeah. what it's gonna be called glorious he says, and free. are you serious before the ball goes in the hole like he knows are you serious, serious? my goodness how glorious how good free. are you at your job oh, like <laughs> it's ridiculous goodness. if you get a glorious. chance if you get a chance to uh mark sacchino who obviously is competition on tsm but he does sirius xm and he does the play-by-play for uh sirius xm radio his call of it is, let's just say, a little passion involved. I watched it. It was really, Amazing. really good. Anyways. Yeah. All right. We done? Yeah, we're done. We better. Sorry, do, folks, YouTube, for listening. YouTube, YouTube is apoplectic right now about uh, the amount of golf talk. Yeah. Well, whatever. <laughs> it's, a, it's a heritage moment in All Canada. Right, Give us we're, a second. Uh, one win away from Vegas, winning the Stanley Cup, but we got that uh, game tomorrow night. We got, uh, where else do you want to go? This will be the fifth game in 15 days. So far, yeah, there's been four games in the last two weeks. So kind of losing momentum a little bit here, but... Teams that take a 3-1 lead in a best-of-seven Stanley Cup final win the series 36 out of 37 times, 97.3%. Is that good? That feels it's like pretty, it's over. Pretty okay. Yeah. All you need to do is get to 3-2 for Vegas. They've yeah. uh, the most games uh, without a loss when scoring three-plus goals in the postseason. Uh, most ever, Golden Knights, 15. Just get to three and you win. All right, in yeah. about nine minutes, Frank Saravelli. Hockey Insider and President of Hockey Content for Daily Faceoffs is going to join us, and uh, we'll get into his thoughts on before movement. Well, even before trade deadline signings, we'll ask him, of course, about Austin Matthews. I think that's lovely, and I look forward to it. Yeah. But before we get to him, yeah, I hope you're not bothered by this. But I wanted to ask you about Senator stuff. Yeah. I know you're involved, and I know you can't say too much. But my group's out. Does I do I lose the? Yeah, when's the NDA over? <laughs> <laughs> is, is it in perpetuity? Yeah. Um, but you know, we're reading stuff. I, is it true that do you know? Is your group out? Are you at liberty to say? Yeah. Well, there are reports out there, and I can confirm reports as of Friday that my group was uh, not uh, moving forward. Yeah. And well, there is there a chance that you, you could move? Listen, you could switch course on that. This is without me 
knowing what's going on in the last 12 hours or 24 hours. I spent the day at golf. I did not yeah. follow up yep. with anybody. Is there a possibility that it can be revisited? Yes, we're talking about any negotiation. A deal isn't a deal with anybody right. until it's done. Right. Anybody check Twitter in the last uh, so 10 seconds? I, is, is there <laughs> been an announcement? Is there a deal done? And if no. there's not, there's always the ability for people to go back or 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 revisit things. And, you know, it's just... And I know there's so much talk. And I, I don't know when it was a week ago, 10 days ago, when... You know, there was first thoughts about this thing kind of going sideways. And I said I couldn't speak for other groups. Yeah. But as far as I was concerned, everything seemed to be uh, on the up and up in terms of... Uh, and I, listen, I, I don't... People want to say it's a circus. People want to say it's a joke. It's a gong show, whatever. I can only say this. It's a negotiation. Yeah. Okay? And when there's two parties going... On a negotiation. A lot of money involved. You want to go buy a house. You're going to put terms and agreements in, and you can say, oh, yes, I'm, I'm okay with that. No, that's no good. Take that out. Oh, you won't take that out? Okay, well, I'm not, I'm not moving forward then. It's just, it's just business. Yeah. And I think that's just what's going on here. Yeah. I mean, I'm not, uh, this is not putting words in your mouth. I'm just reading what I'm seeing on Twitter. Sean Simpson's a guy who's been tweeting about it quite a bit. Gary Ock has some articles on it. Um, you know, the understanding, I think, for just seen on Twitter is that the senators have something like 400 or 450 million in debt. Um, the girls who would sell the team would owe capital gains on the difference between what Eugene bought the team for and what they sold it for. So, you know, hundred million, one billion. There's nine hundred million dollars left. If you owe four hundred to tax or to the debt, the two girls can split that amount, and then they owe capital gains on their numbers, which is a lot of tax. Hundred million dollars each, somewhere in that ballpark. He's saying that you know someone had asked for the girls' tax bill to be covered in some of the deals. This is just the stuff that's out there right now. I don't know what's happening, but it needs to happen. Because Alex DeBrinkett's deal is up. Like, the team is trying to get a new building. There's lots going on, and it's, it is – it's got – I'm seeing for the first time pressure on the girls. Like, yeah. okay, can, can pay I, the capital gains tax, uh, take uh, your $125 million to, and say see ya. To, to be frank, when, when you're dealing with a potential sale as reported up to a billion dollars, yeah. nobody cares about DeBrinkett. Nobody cares about uh, any yep. draft or, guess or deadlines coming. They should. I know they should, but I got to make sure that if I'm spending it here, yes. this is looked after before that's looked after. Yeah. And that's all the focus is right now is on, on a sale. But you're dividing up the money from all these different pies you've sold. Yes. You need to worry about... Baking more pies. Yeah, I know. <laughs> you need to be making more money. You're not so, wrong. So it matters. I know. You're it. not wrong. Yes. And one can affect the other. Like, is it the same? Is, is it the same sale price if it includes a potential to bring it $50 million contract? Because right. that's an asset. Right. And you're if you're adding an asset, where does that play into the final price? Yeah. If you... If you trade him for a couple of picks, 
all of a sudden I've I've lost an asset. So yeah. does my price come down? And as a player, if I know a billion dollar owner who just tried to buy a NFL team for six billion, I know the guy's got the bucks. I'm like, I'll play here. We're yeah. gonna be looked after. If I don't know who's gonna own the team, I'm like, I'm not becoming Arizona. I'm out. So it, it affects the ability to keep people. At the end of the day, you've got some people with very deep pockets in a negotiation. Yeah. And everybody's got the right to ask for any anything, you know? Ask for the moon. Mm-hmm. Maybe you get it, maybe you don't. Yeah. But but if you don't ma- get the moon... Maybe you settle for the stars, right. Right, as they say, right? <laughs> just purchase the... Take the stars and Just be take on your the way. stars and move on. Yeah. But hopefully this, this, this comes to an end for, most importantly, the Ottawa Senator fans. For sure. Um, and that's that's it. That's where we're at. Okay. Well, I look forward to... Uh, this is fascinating, but because there was that... So much of a gold rush of excitement. It's Snoop Dogg. It's the weekend. It's Nick Kiprios. Well, it's now it's like is Brian it anyone? Adam. I don't know it's how many. Be someone, how how right? many groups did they start with? Yeah, ten. A lot. <laughs> Seven. Sure. And then it's dwindled. And now they nobody, nobody's sure how many are in, involved. Maybe they'll get still. you back involved. And that in includes me. Hour. Yep. We'll All see. Right. We'll see where it goes, but uh, hopefully again. Before we get to Frank, we didn't get a chance to ask you about Shane Doan getting hired. Did you? Uh, ha- yeah, we talked about it briefly, but I don't think I got your 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 perspective on it. And I, like some Shane's, he's been on our show uh, as recently as uh, after the uh, that Christmas tournament uh, at mm-hmm. Davos. Yeah, and he's a quality guy, well respected guy. You know. Unfortunately, I think the tough part now for for Shane Doan is that the, the perception that he's a hired gun to go get Austin signed, right? Is that diff- better or worse than the perception that he's jumping off the sinking ship in Arizona? Just <sighs> He said it, I think, in his press conference that how many opportunities do you get to be involved with a historic franchise? Yeah. And that is an appealing in itself, even even though the lack of success that they've had since winning the cup in 67. So that, that lure is there. And I don't think anybody can blame them for not wanting to oh. stick around in an organization where you don't even know if they're going to be there in, in a, a year or two. Right. So I saw something else today. There's a I think that's fine. But okay. the one thing is, Matthews and yeah, Matthews and where Matthews is going, and if it's if by chance he's not signed by July first, are people going to look at Shane Doan and go, "Hey, that was your thing, dude? Uh, you had one job to do, <laughs> Shane, Thinking and Matthew that's convinced Matthews fired. to sign." Yeah. So I, that that to me is a, a little tricky for him off the bat. Maybe Doan can offer him shares in Dutton Ranch that he owns there in Arizona or whatever he calls and, his and, own and ranch. He's not, and that's not his be-all, end-all here, but that's what people will remember if it's not a good outcome for, for Lee fans and Austin Matthews. The thing is, like, the team hasn't made that claim. There's a, I, Anything that, like, Doan is here for Matthews' purposes seems to be projected onto the team from just us. Not you and me, but just people from the outside. Yeah, but how can you blame people for not going there first? I mean, you well, it's not like Shane Doan is not going to be a sought-after guy. He's a you know unbelievable NHL career, respected hockey person. Like he's a he's a guy from it's Arizona. Like, yeah. Or your superstar is from Arizona. 
Come on, it's one plus one. It's just connecting the dots. That's the first place you go. It's one plus one plus one plus one plus one, but the math does add up. Has <laughs> <laughs> he got a uh, bonus in his deal? I bet. That would be fascinating. How, if, he, I, if they're like every 10 grand that Matthews is under 14 he, million, you get he was two grand. Austin's favorite player growing I thought, up. I thought I thought Briere was. Oh, was he? I think it was Briere. Briere was Austin Matthews' favorite yeah. player? I remember him loving Briere. Why didn't they sign Briere? Well, he already had a job. <laughs> Earlier. Flyers could use some talent. Oh, yeah. We'll go well, we got a per- and we got Frank Cervelli. Maybe he's on the line with us now. So. Is he? Yeah, I think. Okay, Frank, you're an insider. Frank Cervelli's joining us now from Daily Faceoff. Does all the hockey content. Would... Shane don't have a bonus in his contract if <laughs> if uh, Austin signs with the Leafs again. I doubt it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on, we're making stuff up yeah, here. We are. Frank. Listen, the Leafs are out. We're 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 making crap as we go along here. <laughs> go with it. Hey, that's what July and August are for. We still got stuff to talk about in oh, June. We jump the gun. All right, fair enough. Um where where are we here? Is there a sense of urgency before July first, and a no trade kicks in for Austin? Are you hearing anything, or is there a sense that there's doesn't seem to be a a huge rush here? I don't think there's really any rush from the Matthews camp, but I do think there is a sense of urgency from the Leafs, mainly because of the person that's now running the show and Brad Tree Living. He mentioned at his opening press conference and then you also heard Craig Conroy at his opening press conference use the term asset management with regards to allowing a player like Johnny Gaudreau to get into the final year of his deal push off re-signing then table talks during the season till till the offseason and then allowing him to essentially slip out of town for nothing And at varying points, they might have been comfortable thinking that, oh, he's telling us he wants to be here. And I'm not saying that the same is going to happen with Austin Matthews, but I do think that there's two people that are now current NHL general managers that live that and have a little bit of scar tissue that's there that say not only do they not want to go through that again, but they also want to make sure that they don't lose any leverage in the process, if any exists, before that no trade clause kicks in. Yeah, I mean, this is uh, obviously everyone in Toronto hanging with bated breath, uh, waiting for this thing to unfold. Surely he's been there now, and they've had those talks. Um, we're looking forward to getting some news on that. We're looking forward to getting some news on anything. We haven't heard much since Tree Living has started his sort of organizational handshakes and assessment and whatnot. Have you heard anything regarding the coaching search or really anything else regarding the Leafs? As I said, it's been very quiet on our end. It seems like there was so much for Brad Tree Living to tackle that maybe the approach since then has been, I don't want to say scattershot, but just you're trying to, tick things off your list as you can, meaning you want to get to Austin Matthews and get to Arizona and have that conversation. You want to hire Shane Doan as you did and fill out your staff. You want to figure out what's going on with the coaching search, meaning get to know Sheldon Keefe. Is this the guy you want to have around? Um, And if so, do you really want to go through another lame duck coaching season 
we saw going back in Brad Tree Living's playbook last year, he extended Daryl Sutter for the year before the season started, and it ended up being a move that the Flames really came to regret. Um, there's a lot of things happening. I'm sure he's doing his due diligence to check some of those boxes and, and begin to move things off of his plate, but it's an overwhelming avalanche of things on the priority list to tackle. Do you think, Frank, the longer this goes without any word, that Sheldon would feel better or feel worse? Well, I, I was making this joke with someone the other day, Kipper. They're saying, well, when are we going to get word on Sheldon Keefe? And I'm like, what do you mean get word? Are you going to think they're going to send out a press release or hold a press conference to say Sheldon Keefe is remaining as coach? No. It's business as usual. You just keep moving right along. And you keep, if you're Sheldon Keefe, keep cashing those paychecks every 15th and 30th. That's just how it works. You know, talk to some of the other coaches that have been dangled out there, even just this offseason, whether it's John Hines or DJ Smith that's been twisting in the wind with regards to this Ottawa sale. It's an uncomfortable place to be, but it's also the nature of the beast. And... My guess is probably the, the biggest hurdle that the Leafs are going to have to clear when it comes to Sheldon Keefe is I think that Brad Tree Living, this is just my assumption based on the tea leaves that I've been reading, my, is that he's inclined to keep Sheldon Keefe as coach, doesn't want a lame duck scenario. But then if you're sitting there and you're Sheldon Keefe, you're going, oh, well, hold on a second. I've got a sterling record here as head coach of the Toronto Maple Leafs in the regular season. I know we haven't had the playoff success, but hey, I don't play the games. I just try and prepare the players as best I can. Maybe he wants to be paid as one of the top coaches in the league based on his job assignment. I don't know. Maybe that's a sticking point. There's there's a lot of factors in play, but I think part of the way the Leafs approached this was how do we know that we don't already have the best of who is available with Sheldon Keefe on our bench. And presumably, were they to consider other coaches, they would have to have talks with those guys and figure out what that would look like. It isn't a fascinating wrinkle, like Sheldon Keefe doesn't have to sign an extension. They're having long negotiations about severance, maybe, Kipper, both of them knowing it may come at some point. And uh, by the way, um, Borny, the, the Preds kind of went through this. Yeah. They had John Hines in place, and part of the thought process from Barry Trotz as he entered his first sort of coaching search as GM was, if I end up not making a move, I'm really comfortable with John Hines still being the guy, mm -hmm. but I still want to interview people and still talk to people to get a sense of what this position is like. I don't have any indication that the Leafs have gone down that road and or plan to, but it also given that one other team's already done it this summer, it wouldn't shock me to, for that to be the case. So Hines had one more year left on his deal like Sheldon? Correct. Yep. And are you a believer that, uh, that Brad Tree Living would look at Sheldon and say, if I'm going to bring him back, okay, you may not hit the home run with your, your impeccable regular season record, so I'll just give you this one-year deal. Or do you believe that we're in this new world where you can easily play out your option here and you will wait again like we did on Kyle? 
I don't know what anyone's thinking in this situation. I can only tell you what I would be feeling in that situation if I was Sheldon Keefe and they came to me and said, well, we like you, we want to keep you, but we're only going to give you a one-year extension. Like, what does that even mean? <laughs> yeah. Like, I would just say I'm, I'm either I'm cool coaching into my final year and yes. we'll assess things as they go or just can me now. It's kind of like the situation that John Hines was in. The the Preds don't feel bad because they knew that they were paying him for one additional season regardless of what happened. But I always think about it like at varying points during any season, guys, we always hear the rumblings and the rumors of if this team loses tomorrow, Coach X is getting canned. And you're like, wait a second. We're deciding this based on one game. If you're already having the conversation, you already know. You've got your answer. Just in the same way that I was thinking about with the Preds, if you are interviewing other candidates behind John Hines' back, which they told him they were evaluating the process, they didn't tell him they were interviewing other candidates, don't you already have your answer? Yep, that's a Lou Lamorello staple, that sort of uh, line of thinking. is that If you have to ask the question, you already know the answer. And I think that's fair. You know, my, my big fear here, Frank, as someone who covers the team, and frankly, I'd love to see him do well being here in Toronto, is that it's more, more of what you're talking about where they say, maybe it's a one-year deal, we're not really sure. I feel like going into, they have a lot of big decisions, and you can't really half-cook these these ideas, like, if you decide to go past July 1st with Marner and with Nylander and nothing happens, do you feel like it's a little bit, a little insane for this team to run back the exact same team and coach given the, the past of this team? I personally do just because how many times do you need to see it and see it not work in order right. for you to get it? And I think that's kind of one of the dangers of watching a team like the Vegas Golden Knights go on a run to, to win the Stanley Cup, most likely. He's done because, nothing but make major changes. Well, I would disagree in that if you look at their roster from last year, one that didn't make the playoffs, I know health was an issue, but you brought the entire roster back, except you said goodbye to Max Pacioretty because of a salary cap constraint. And your goaltending was worse off this year, at least on paper, to start the year. And the only thing you really did was make a coaching change. Like, this week last year, Jack Eichel was on a boat in Hawaii on vacation. Let's, like, so I think what happens is when you see a team miss the playoffs and then get to the final this year and could win it, you have the Edmonton Oilers sitting there today saying, man, that could have been us. And you have other teams around the league, probably the Leafs looking at the Panthers in the final saying, hey, that could have been us. And you lull yourself into a complacency of thinking, we don't, maybe we're just that good. We don't, maybe we just needed luck or some things to fall in place for us. And, you know, if, you know, whatever happened, we, we would have, we would have made it. If, if, if. See, when I. At, at yeah. some point it's lunacy. Yeah. When I, when I think of Vegas right now, I think of them going to the finals in their first year and and not resting on that, right? And look at the, the ads and the changes and, yeah, some of the hits and misses, but they weren't scared to take their bat off their shoulder and swing for some mm. big pieces here. Stone. And they deserve Petrangelo, full marks for that. You know, the decision to yeah. let Marc-Andre Fleury go, which 
Yeah, I know. I, I get it that, you know, the goaltending is always a crapshoot. But, hey, sometimes you got to make some bold, tough decisions that may not look popular, but give them credit. They made they had the guts to make all these decisions but the last three years. But not going to walk in and do that, right? Well, maybe he should. I know. <laughs> That's my point. Yeah, Frank, maybe he should. I, I just... I think at some point you're going to be forced to make these decisions anyways, based on a contractual, the contractual and cyclical nature of this sport and the salary cap. Yeah. So why not preempt it and get what you want as opposed to essentially being forced to move a guy or two because you have to. Speaking of contractual situations, did I see that you said uh, you thought there was a 60% chance that the Winnipeg Jets would move their four big names there? Wow, what a pull that is. I did say that. Um, and that the question was, what percentage chance would you place on all four of those guys being gone? Yeah. And it's better. I think it's better than 50%. That being Shifley, yes. Dubois, Wheeler, and Hellebuck. Correct. And so that's just, I just look at the history of Shevel Dayoff, and to me, it's he's been a pretty passive GM by and large, is he not? Has he had four Very career trades? Stastny one. <laughs> I'm going rack in my brain. I don't know. I think he has. Yes. Yes. Stastny, Kevin Hay. I mean, there's very few <laughs> big whopper deals. And I think that's actually, if you're a Jets fan, that makes this summer so exciting and intoxicating is the idea that after seven or eight years you're Kevin Day off. You get to sit there and, and play with your Play-Doh this summer and reshape and remold this team into something else. And what time frame would that be most likely at? Like draft time? Yeah, in the next three weeks. Where do you where do you see Hellebuck as a as a landing spot? I'm thinking New Jersey. I'm thinking L.A. Maybe. L.A. makes the most sense to me. Like if you were just purely looking at team on the precipice of becoming more taking advantage of another year of Andre Kopitar before his deal is up. It's a big swing, but I also think that that Kings team with all the young pieces they have is really just beginning to have their championship window cracked open. And a lot of people right after the Gavrikov deal, when he resigned and the trade of Walker and uh, Peterson, they were saying, well, this has just opened up enough space for them to go after Corpus Allo. If they wanted to, they could have already gotten that done. I don't think that's the play. I also just think L.A. has so many guys in their organization and system that they don't have to, like, they, they're going to have, excuse me, have to trade some of these guys in order to make room. Like, there's just too many guys. And so... Of the young players they have, perhaps they could entice some of them with the more NHL-ready versions of them into, you know, giving Winnipeg what they need in order to make this happen. One more for me, Frank, and I want to stay on Hellebuck. Has he got a case to be uh, the third NHL goaltender to make over $10 million? Or I don't think so. Um, he has a case. I, I mean... This is just personally how I view the position and the sport is that I think you should pay a premium. Like, like first off, let me 
let me disclose that sometimes I think hockey should just change the name to goalie because if you don't have one, you can't win. But that said, I, I think you should pay a premium for consistent excellence, which Hellebuck has in, in the most fickle position in pro sports. You don't know what you're getting week to week, let alone year to year. There's maybe five, six guys in the entire league that you can count on in that way. And Hellebuck's one of them. But that said, given that we are potentially entering a fourth straight year of a frozen salary cap, I, I, I can't envision paying any goaltender more than 10% of the cap. And that's, you know, 8.3 or million dollars or so in an AAV. That's sort of the, the world that I'd be targeting Hellebuck in. And the other part of it is go back to the contract that Sergei Bobrovsky signed with the Florida Panthers. There's only, even if you're able to trade for him and acquire his rights, there's only so many teams that can actually afford to pay a goalie that much. And if you're one of them, you know, are you, are you going to bid against yourself? Like that's still the most shocking part of the Bobrovsky deal is there was no one else in the picture to sign him. No kidding. And no uh, state tax. Oh, he's been and living right, pal. You couldn't shave Oof. a million off of that, a million and a half. <laughs> right. Anyways, hey, Frank. And it's oh, still the worst contract in the game. Yeah. I don't care if you get to the cup final. I don't even care if you win. I was waiting for someone to say, hey, look how good that looks now that they might win the cup. I'm sorry. Did he get angry terrible. about it? <laughs> still terrible. Yeah. Great stuff, Frank. Really appreciate your time. Have a good one, guys. Thanks, Frank. Frank Cervelli. One Daily face-off. You know, like every time after the Stanley Cup Finals, teams go, well, we want to do what that team did, and it's copycat league. Everyone says that. It's funny because now you're hearing people talk about, and we've talked about, like, well, maybe goaltending, it can be anyone. It can be any player. It can yeah. be whatever. And it's just a ridiculous notion. Just want to note that the goalies in the Final Four were, um, so you got Hill is the guy that people are, up in arms about or whatever, but there's a lot of stat people who really liked him before the year. He's the most random guy. Listen, he's he he came in making two point one. That's not chump change. No, he was a guy that had respect. He was, uh, you know, that I think people thought was a good goalie. Yeah, but it's not right. like a fly in the wall no, seven fifty. Right, pull him out of the basement. Right, and Bobrovsky. Say what you will about his contract. He's won two Vesna trophies. The, the great players can, you know, pull it out once in a while again. You had Ottinger as one of the final four goalies, who's you know a top five goalie in the league. And Freddie Anderson is a career nine fifteen, and in the playoffs a career nine seventeen. He's also not bad. So this idea that any goalie can do it, I don't like it. And I want, I, I don't like it for the Leafs as a plan either. It doesn't matter. Anyone can get hot. It's not the case. Beat it. And Hill's only 27. It's not like he's 32 or 33 with just one of those kicks at the can. He's going to be a starter in this league for the next five years. That's... Making probably $5 million a year. Yeah. You know? So it's not a, he's not a fourth stringer or whatever you hear people calling him. He was injured this year, which is why he wasn't the backup for a while. Yeah. Anyway, we should uh, break probably. All right. Let's take a break here. Still got playoff picks, Sammy. Get them ready for us, pal. Oh, I got them. <laughs> All right. Nick Kiprios, Justin Bourne, Sammy McKee, back after the break. Dive deep into Toronto sports and the NFL. The J.D. Bunkus podcast. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
Kipper and Board on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. So Kipper and Board, we're back. All right, Tammy, let her rip. Sorry, I was just fielding some texts from a friend of mine that was just slandering that sports moment yesterday. And I oh, was slandering? What's yeah. the slander? Yeah, he's just like, it's not even a top 10 moment. Oh, oh. I'm just like, I, I was actually just disgusted for that entire break. I'm sorry, I was out of it the, was, out It's of the a top 10 moment for us. In Canadian sports history, for sure. Yeah. So he was just saying it's not even close to top 10. He said it's not top 50. It's, it's one of two great Canadian golf moments. We yeah. are winning the Masters and that. Yeah. Bob Weeks said during the, pre- the ceremony, he's like, and the greatest putt in Canadian golf history. And I was like, ah, Mike, we are literally hit an 11-footer to make a playoff at yeah. the Masters. That was, <laughs> like, that's, that's pretty yeah. cool. Yeah. For a green uh, jacket. Yeah, anyways, okay. So, with playoff a, picks. With a much better field. Playoff yeah. picks. Hey. Now, 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 you're starting to sound, now you're starting to sound like my buddy. <laughs> For I'm stating just stating facts, facts buddy. I'm just oh, yeah, stating yeah. facts. You're yeah. the fact stater. You like the facts. I nah. Don't let the facts get in the way of a good narrative. All right, fellas. Uh, Florida, obviously, in a massive hole here. Uh, oh, this is Playoff Picks, presented by Bet365. Visit the app for the latest odds. Like I said, Florida, big hole. If you believe they can dig out of it, and I don't know if you should feel like that, considering the stat that I read at the start of the show, teams that take a 3-1 to one lead in the best-of-seven Stanley Cup final uh, win the series 36 out of 37 times, 97.3%. So when you look at these Florida odds, 10-1, to one, maybe not the juiciest number that you thought it might be, but, you know, if you're, you if you believe in the cats, not the worst bet, you're, but you're you probably shouldn't. You're just not getting a better team, which if you're up three one, you probably are. They're not sleeping through one. Yeah, at this stage. Yeah, like you're right. You're gonna have to you're beat three them. hard efforts. You're gonna have Vegas, to beat them three night, night. times hard in a row. Yeah, which is gonna be really tough for them. Um, so they posted some NHL draft odds on Bet three six five. Ooh, we're there. And you cannot even bet on the first overall pick. It is not posted. <laughs> so you can bet on who the second overall pick is going to be. And Adam Fantilli is a massive favorite at minus 500 to go second overall. But I was looking. Can you remind me who the top three picks is? Do you guys know the order? Uh, Montreal. Or sorry, Chicago. Yeah, I was like, oh, my God, please, no. Chicago. Chicago, Anaheim. Montreal? Columbus. Uh, Columbus has third. Yeah. 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 So Fantilli is minus 500 to go second. Leo Carlson, who's had a lot of buzz, is plus 550 to go uh, second. Mitchkov plus 700. A man named Will Smith is plus 1,400 and, and down the list. What do you think? Would you take him top five? I would if I had, <laughs> yeah. If I had like Ovi on my team or I had some sort of direct ally in Russia <laughs> that could make, make sure I'm going to get him. But sounds like he may be there for a couple of years. It worth, would give me pause. Would he be worth waiting a year or two? If I'm picking ninth or something. I'm like, for sure, let's try this. But. Probably. Probably so, would be. I think that's a pretty stiff task for him to go third overall. But the fact that, I mean, to go second overall, but the fact that those numbers aren't that huge, like Leo Carlson's plus 550, which isn't like a massive number. Yeah. Like that's, they think it's within the realm of possibility. And then it just goes down the list with guys that I've, to be honest, never heard of. And then cover the National League. And my um, last thing I got here is after coming down from the Canadian Open, which will be... We have a major this weekend, the U.S. Open. And I was thinking about betting on Brooks Kepka to win the U.S. Open. The markets have figured out Brooks Kepka. The uh, value is gone. He is a 11-1. to 1. He nah. is the third favorite. Scheffler's the last four the, years, Sheff, he's... Scheffler's plus 600. 
John Rahm plus 900, Kepka plus 1100, and Rory McIlroy plus 1200 are the four faves. I think Justin Thomas is plus 3500 or something. He's a real long shot for a pretty darn good golfer. That, that one tempts me. So. Yeah. You know what's incredible? Is two years in a row the uh, RBC Canadian Open got hammered twice by Live News. I know. That's right. Eh? Two years in a row, fantastic it finishes. It powered through anyway. It powered through. Yeah. So uh, that was Playoff Picks presented by Bet365. Visit the app for the latest odds, fellas. And uh, there's a little NBA tonight, too, if your Nuggets are going to win. So, okay. And what did I what did I see about uh, McGregor knocking out the mascot? Oh, my uh, God. Good left. I guess the guy, I don't know if this is just like a promotional thing, but they said he had to go to the hospital. He, at, at some point, wasn't it scripted that this was going to be a pretend punch? He dinged him pretty good. That, with a, that, that was no pretend punch. That <laughs> he was he a followed pro- up with one where you could see the guy react inside the costume. That was really a professional left hook to the bean. That man ain't right. I mean, that's not part of the job description. Taking a punch from one of the like hardest, yeah, uh, fighters in the world. I was even like, how do they get him to do that? It's the Miami Heat. And they're like, would you come out and deck our mascot or the opposing mascot? I don't. I, I'd say yes. That's <laughs> the way it would work. Yeah, no, yeah, exactly. And he, and he was like, exactly. sure. Do they pay him word for they... word? <laughs> Someone just calls him Connor. Heat here, and we're not going to tell him. That yeah. guy's a total loose cannon. He is a loose cannon. Yeah. You know, one of those guys that I know is a scummy guy and I kind of root for anyway. Like, I know he's a bad no, person, but not I just, a fan. Yeah, he entertains me. Uh, I just before we go go to air, I'm just uh, totally descript this thing again. Like, it's Friday. And be like, you just took a call out there. Is this uh, sounded more sorry, more. Uh, you know what? More, I, I come on. do have a sense that uh, the sale is going to get complete uh, real soon here. Okay. For the Ottawa Senate. Really? Yeah. Yeah. We'll just have to wait and see. Yes, we will. But that feels like news. That's I, I'm know, sure Senators it, fans would be encouraged I, I by think, that. I think what's happened in the last 48 hours really kind of forced people to buckle down and and, but you and get the deal done. You don't want those girls getting their reputations hurt in the process because you were starting to see people like, yeah. come on, you know, like you know, move it along. So yeah, yeah, I could see that pressure so, on them good. speeding things up. Should be should be wrapped up real soon here. So okay, look any, for that. Any takes on uh, the Calgary Flames? Ryan Huska, yeah, Huska. former Kelowna Rockets coach. Kelowna in your name, you're going to do great. My my first thought is, yes, he could be great. He could be not great, but uh, we he, know he's not expensive. That's well, my first I was thought. Say, with Daryl Sutter getting fired, it was unlikely they were going to go eight million dollars in the next two, two years. years? Uh, yeah, so it's unlikely they were going to go pay Gallant or Laviolette That's five right. million a season to be uh, the coach. Whatever three, three would have been. Now you're. Seven million behind the bench. Behind the bench for Finish two years, so it, it made sense to go get. I can only imagine like the players now watching this guy come in, going, "Oh my God, what a breath of fresh air!" <laughs> what after Daryl? Uh, you know, yeah. I just hope the players don't think it's now a country club now compared to Daryl. No, you're right, but I, I don't feel. I feel like they got a. Again, I'm dumb. I bet on the Flames all the time. I think their roster is good. They don't have a lot of wins. That doesn't help me. So, yeah, Huska's uh, press conference underway today. Uh, who else is left without a coach at this point? I think, are we all coached up around the league now? Babs going to Columbus, Huska going to the Flames, Keith staying in Toronto, Anaheim's, uh, are they? Cronin. Greg Cronin there. No, Rangers. Rangers, Rangers are still without a coach. 
Yeah, no rain. So is this go back to our Sheldon Keefe uh, conversation? It's like, if you're not going to extend me, fire me, and I'll go get a job with the Rangers or Anaheim. Well, and you still don't know what's going to happen. Like, new owners, are they going to keep Ottawa staff in place? And I guess there's still decisions to be made for a few teams waiting for things to play out. So Craig Conroy is talking now, and uh, apparently he said that he talked to Jonathan Huberdeau a lot during their coaching search. Oh, he did. <laughs> so Jonathan picked the coach. Is that what he's trying to say? Well, that's what he's alluding to. You, you got a guy who's going to be there for eight years. You just and and important to your team who just had a bad year. I think it's good to get his opinion. Yeah, you're all in on him. That's for sure. Yeah, you don't want him to be miserable. Yeah, you got him. You kind of need him to be good. He already traded in the Lambo for a truck to be on your team. Yeah, you know? <laughs> future living's like here's all the money. See ya. <laughs> yeah. What, what, you like what, that money? What was his AAV? 10? 10, 10.5, I think, isn't it? Is it yeah. That That's a lot. That one. That one. I know Frank Cervelli mentioned Bobrovsky's contract being like, he's st- still not worth it. 10.5. He just, d- they didn't need to go to 10.5. They could have had him at 9. Think so? Oh, yeah. But they. they they Trooping did not have taxes. to go ten five. He got a little, you know, tree got a little horned up on that. Yes, one. he well, did. You had to have yeah. him. He got horned up. That's like when you say we can and we will, and you're like, we have to pay so these how, people. How horned up is he going to get for Austin on a three year deal? Right would you all. do a three year deal? I wouldn't want a three year deal for Austin, buddy. I did a whole thing on Friday when you weren't here about like how much more can they give this guy? Like they got to give in at every spot. So we're, we're gonna have a. No, we're not. Next show, we're going to yes. have a conversation. Okay. I'm going to teach you a few lessons on business. All right. Well, we'll uh, okay. we'll talk next week. How's that sound? <laughs> we'll talk about Sen's ownership tomorrow. Okay. Our thanks to Frank Saravelli, Sammy McKee, Nick Kiprios. We're back when we're back. <laughs> Whenever that is. Hopefully tomorrow. Have a great night, everybody. Yeah.